Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, and the music started up again. Why did it do that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry for that. We are going to continue our catechesis in 2 Kings. We're going to jump ahead a few chapters. There's just some uh, general kinging kind of things happening. Um, but here we're going to hear a fulfillment of actually a promise that God made to Ahab and Jezebel back um, in 1 Kings 19, I think. So back under Elijah. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how, you know, God uh, does fulfill his word. Uh, sometimes just not in the timeline that we would want right? I see Don made a comment about the music's a little different. Yeah, that was Aus Tiefer Note. Um, From Depths of Woe, I Cry to You is the is the tune, um, or the text that it belongs with. That was uh, by Johann Sebastian Bach, played on organ, but then uh, kind of neat. Take the Cantus Firmus, which is the melody in the bass line, and had it doubled up on uh, trombone. So it's kind of a fun thing that I recorded back in uh, 2019. <laughs> and might see the light of day someday. We'll see. All right, very good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse. Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Mark 10, verses 14 through 15. Our psalm this week is Psalm 141. We pray it together. O Lord, I call to you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds and company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from continuation of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, 
When you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must be, there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? For shall I say to you, or what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way of manner, excuse me, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick and are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I set, I will set in order when I come. All right, so famous um, text in regards to St. Paul's teaching regards to the Lord's Supper and how it was practiced there by the Apostolic Church, um, which we continue to practice it in like manner today. Uh, the words of institution in verses 23 through 25 repeated um, as a testimony, as a, um, what do you want to say, a tradition, right? What I delivered to you, I have handed over. What I received, I delivered over to you, right? So this is our tradition, right? But a tradition received from the Lord, so we would call that rather an institution, you have all of the, uh, or a lot of the teaching in regards to right examination before the supper, before receiving the supper, given here in particular in the context of the church in Corinth, um, that apparently was receiving it um, for just regular earthly food, which is forbidden. Um, apparently was re- receiving it also for, um, well, when there were divisions amongst them, which is also forbidden. Sorry, my chair is a little maladjusted there. Um, And you also have then the teaching to examine oneself. And of course, we do that according to the Ten Commandments, um, but also according to the small catechism, in particular, the words of institution, that whole sacrament of the altar section, or if you prefer, rather, um, the fourth part, which is the um, Christian questions and their answers, right? So to use those to examine oneself before receiving the supper because of what uh, Paul instructs here, according to the Lord, that it's possible to receive the supper to your hurt and harm. Okay? So it is to be received in faith. And that's what worthy worthiness is, is faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Um, as, it, as with yesterday, uh, there's a Bible class on this um, back, what did we see it was? Oh, it was almost a year ago now, I think. Um, but it's available on our YouTube page. You can search for 1 Corinthians 11 and you'll find the Bible study there. And uh, it's worth 
going where we do some deep dives into some of these expressions and, and context. All right, good. Our reading for catechesis then is from 2 Kings chapter 9. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready, take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. Then he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males of Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah. The dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And then he opened the door and fled. Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble. And they said, A lie! Tell us now. So he said, Thus and thus he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to his take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and then they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu the king. So, Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now, Joram had been defending Ramoth Gilead, he and all Israel, against Hatzael, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had afflicted on him when he had fought with Hazael, king of Syria. And Jehu said, If you are so minded, let no one leave or escape from the city to go and tell it in Jezreel. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram was laid up there, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see Joram. Now a watchman stood on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came, and said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, Get a horseman and send him to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? So the horseman went to meet him and said, Thus says the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported, saying, The messenger went to them, but is not coming back. Then he sent out a second horseman who came to them and said, Thus says the king, Is it peace? And Jehu answered, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported, saying, He went up to them and is not coming back, and the driving is like the driving of Jehu the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Then Joram said, Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. Then Joram king of Israel and Ahaziah king of Judah went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu, and met him on the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. 
Now it happened when Joram, the son of Jehu, that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. Then Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Jehoram between his arms. And the arrow came out of his, at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, the, his captain, Pick him up and throw him into the tract of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember, when you and I were riding together behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now therefore take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled on the road to Beit Hagan. So Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Ibliam. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then, as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him, and then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. When he had gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see this accursed woman and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came back and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field, in the plot at Jezreel, so that they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. There ends the reading. All right. So a pleasant reading, right? (laughs) All right, let's go back to the beginning. All right, what instruction did Elisha give a man from the company of the prophets? Yeah, he sends him in his place, right, in the in the prophet's place with a flask of oil to Ramoth Gilead, right? And he was to speak specifically to, I haven't talked about this guy for a while, it's been a couple months, but here he is, Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, right? Jehu was first mentioned, and just do a recap for us here, back in 1 Kings 19, right? So back under... Elijah, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong spot here. There we go. Um, yeah, to Elijah. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hatzael as king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abba you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hatzael, Jehu will kill and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Right? Remember that? All right, so there it was, that God will anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. That was revealed to Elijah, and now it's fulfilled by Elisha. 
right. Um, where was the prophet to take Jehu? What does it say there? Into the inner room, all right, away from his companions and anoint him king over Israel, right? And, and again, um, a son of a prophet, it can stand in the prophet's place and do the anointing that the prophet has given, given to do, right? And uh, what was he to do after anointing Jehu? <laughs> I hear at the end of verse three, open the door and flee, right? Get out of Dodge. What did the prophet also tell Jehu when he anointed him? Yeah, he expanded upon what uh, Elijah had spoken to Elisha had spoken to him, excuse me, that Jehu would destroy the house of Ahab and avenge the blood of the prophets and the servants of the Lord whom Jezebel had killed, right? The son of the prophet having obviously having remembered the word that Elijah had spoken to Ahab and Jezebel. So applies it here, right? And what would happen to all the males of Ahab's house? If they're in verse 8, uh, they will perish, right? Killed, slave or freed. And what would happen to Jezebel? Again, just as uh, God had revealed to a lot by a way of Elijah, the dogs would devour her on the plot of ground at Jeze- Jezreel, and no one would bury her. Right? Uh, what did Jehu's fellow officers think of the man who came? They call him a madman. You see that there in verse 11? I highlighted it for you on the screen. Um, but what do they do when uh, Jehu tells them what uh, that he had been anointed as king? Well, they treat him as such, right? They spread their garments under the steps, blew their trumpets, and shouted, Jehu is king. And then Jehu conspires. Right? Here's an actual conspiracy, not a theory, an actual conspiracy conspiring against Joram, the king of Israel, right? Joram um, had been out doing what all this time, right? Defending Ramoth Gilead um, against Hazael, king of Syria, right? Who'd been brought out in judgment against him, right? By God, as we heard back in 1 Kings 19. Um, Hazael was there mentioned, remember? Uh, the promise to Elijah that Ahab would be destroyed. So whoever did not escape from Hazael would be put under Jehu, and whoever did not escape from Jehu uh, would be judged by Elisha. All right. Uh, why had Joram returned to Jezreel? It says there he had to recover from wounds inflicted upon him, all right, at the, in his battle with Hatzel. Uh And what did Jehu do? Yeah, told him to actually keep it secret, right? Um, and then to ride out to Jezreel in a chariot. All right. Let's not tell anyone. Let's just go. Uh, who was with Joram? We have Ahaziah, the king of Judah, right? So we have both kings, south and north, together. And the announcement of the watchman is, I see a company of men, right? Co- troops coming. So what does uh, King Joram do? This again, the son of Ahab. Yeah, send out horsemen and ask is if he was coming in peace. Jehu tells the messenger to fall in behind him, right? What did Joram do when he found out the messenger had not returned? Uh, he sends a second messenger, <laughs> right? And says, uh, do you come in peace? And Jehu told the second messenger to fall in behind him. Follow me. See that there in verse 19, right? And what did the lookout believe? It was, uh, or why did the lookout believe that it was Jehu driving the chariot? Well, apparently there's some kind of legend that he drove furiously like a madman, <laughs> Um, of course, why was he a madman at this point? I think this is a little editorial note from the author, maybe. 
Well, because he's speaking, he's carrying the words of the prophet, right? Um, think of uh, C.S. Lewis's famous dictum in regards to the gospel uh, authors, right? When really in regards to Jesus, actually, in particular, right? Either he's a liar, a lunatic, or he's telling the truth, right? A liar, a lunatic, madman, or he's telling the truth, right? In regards to the gospels, all right? Um, what what did then did King Joram and King Ahaziah do? Excuse me. All right, both messengers fell in behind Jehu. So now uh, the two kings go out to meet Jehu. And note here, not coincidentally, on the plot of ground that had belonged to Naboth, Naboth the Jezreelite. All right, so that draws us all the way back to Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel in First Kings, First Kings twenty-one. Remember that. <clears throat> um, Ahab and Jezebel had provoked God to anger by the murder of that innocent man, Naboth, in order to acquire the plot of ground, his inheritance, the inheritance God had given him for a vineyard to his family, um, instead to turn it into a vegetable garden. Right? And that's one of the reasons why God was bringing judgment against Ahab and Jezebel's family. Um, Jehu says, what peace, right? There can be no peace as long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many, right? So because uh, Joram had followed after his father and mother um, and allowed these things to continue, there is judgment. What did Joram realize? Yeah, treachery, right? And he calls out to Ahaziah, treachery, Ahaziah. That was a trap, if you like, or judgment, if you prefer. And what did Jehu do? Yep, shot Joram between the arms with an arrow that pierced his heart. Um, and then he gives instruction to his captain, Captain uh, Bidkar, right, to do what? Throw Joram's body on the field at Naboth, right? Blood for blood. And of course, why did Jehu do this? Yeah, he tells us right here, surely I saw um, yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood, right? So he's remembering the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah the prophet. What did uh, Jehu do with King Ahaziah? Well, he was killed as well, right? Having joined with the treacher- the other treacherous king, well, had his men kill him in the like manner. All right. Um, and Jezebel, of course, is hanging out in Jezreel in the city wall. What does, what does she do when she hears about her son's defeat? Yeah, this is interesting, right? She painted her on her eyes um, and adorned her head, arranged her hair. All right. Um, she's making herself attractive, which is interesting as if that's going to somehow sway the, the king here, the new king. And then, uh, but notice what she calls Jehu, a murderer of his master, right? His master being Joram. You know? um, what does he ask? Who is on my side? Who, right? And uh, note that two or three eunuchs um, come forward. That's what this expression means in 32. When they looked at him, they came forward, right? So he called out to the wall, and they two or three stepped forward, and then he told them to throw her down, right? And she, they did, so much so that the blood, I don't know the height, but the blood splattered on the, on the wall and on the horses as they trampled her. Interesting then, um, he goes in and eats and drinks there, right? But then instructs the servants to go and bury her because she's a king's daughter, king of Sidonian, but still. But notice what they find. They don't find her, right? Just nothing more than her skull, the feet and palm of her hands, right? Again, this is all according to the word of the Lord that that he had spoken to Jezebel, right? By way of Elijah, that the dogs would devour Jezebel's flesh on that plot of ground, right? 
So pretty serious, right? Um, but this is, of course, God's judgment against unbelief. Uh, and when God promises judgment, he does it, <laughs> right? There was a time for repentance for Joram, but uh, he did not repent, right? The prophet who came to anoint Jehu was considered to be a madman who clung to foolish old teachings about the God of Israel. He ran away from Jehu because he was fleeing the violence that had been unleashed by the power of God's word. Jehu then became a madman as he was compelled by the word of the Lord to carry out the judgment upon Ahab and Ahaziah for their idolatrous ways that were misleading both Israel and Judah. As the chariots and horsemen of Israel had taken Elijah away, so now the chariot carried Jehu to be the instrument of the Lord's vengeance on the house of Ahab. All that remained of Jezebel was the skull of death that she had clung to in her idolatry. She had relied on her own lifeless hands and feet rather than on the hands and feet of the Lord who would be pierced for the iniquities of men. All right. Let's confess baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. Which is that word of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Excuse me, what are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All right, let's pray our collect for this week. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power to faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. We pray for parents who must rear their children alone, and we pray for our communities and neighborhoods. Right. This day we pray in Thanksgiving with Jed and Kyle, who celebrate their baptism. Pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Randy, Joseph, and Andrea, Al, Jerome, Ron, and Tom. Pray for our um, those who are ill and receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. We pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month, for the mission, our mission of the month, Kindred Heart Families. We ask the Lord to preserve his word amongst us and to increase the church. We'll continue to pray with all those grieving, especially the family and friends of Roy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would for, that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, 
that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn, Jesus Once Was Sinners Numbered. Jesus once with his sinners numbered Had no blemish of his own In the waters of the Jordan His true worth and work were shown Heaven opened and the Spirit Were descended like a dove as the Father's voice so sounded, Hear, my Son, the one I love. John confessed him as the Savior, Look, the sinless Lamb of God. Yet he dared not loose the sandals, of the one God's love had showed. Oh, how fear the feet of Jesus, bringing news of peace to us. Christ, the herald of salvation, preaching mercy from the cross. This the baptism that our Savior greatly longed to undergo. This the crimson cleansing he did, so the world God's love might know. This the mission of Messiah as he stepped from Jordan's stream. Chosen and anointed, Son of God sent to redeem. Jesus once with his sinners numbered, all obedience was your path. You by death have consecrated water in the saving land. Dining to the sin of Adam, rising to a life of grace. We are counted with the righteous, over us the cross you trace. 
right. So there's our hymn for the week on baptism. Um, I'm going to disagree with the comment in the chat. I'm sure you're not surprised. <laughs> uh, the comment is, not a Sunday school story for children. And the, the response is also, for sure. Um, I disagree. Um, I don't think it's read in Sunday school, not because of the content, uh, but because you're when you're limited to well, how many days, how many Sundays maybe that you have Sunday school per year, 26, 30 at the most, probably, uh, with holidays and whatnot. And most congregations take the summer off, which I also think is absurd, but uh, I know the teachers need a break. You know, so find subs, figure out a different way to do it in the summer. Um, the problem is, is that you only have, when you only have a limited number of Sundays, um, that's once per week for 45 minutes at the most, maybe only like 20 minutes for a lesson. You have to pick and choose what lessons you do. So maybe you wouldn't uh, have read this reading um, because of the prioritization maybe of other readings. But as far as the content goes, I disagree. Um, I did it with the children this morning in the school. Um, and uh, the reason is, is, I think we don't want to sidestep the the purpose of this reading, right? So um, the judgment of God upon unbelief, right? Not not to put the fear of, the, of God in the children necessarily, although that that's also helpful to remember, but more that, that God does avenge um, his people against his enemies, the enemies of God's word, um, and that we actually experience this, right? So the way I presented it to the children, I'm a little bit different than I did with you here, is that one, that God had promised that this would happen because of the rebellious uh, unbelief of Ahab and Jezebel, right? But also that, that you see that God delays um, the punishment for the sake of repentance, right? So, but Joram did not repent, right, of, of his parents' unbelief. Um, but also that um, sometimes we, won't, we know that we ask, we actually plead to God in our prayers that God would bring uh, justice and vengeance upon his enemies and that he would um, redeem his church and that he would protect her. But he doesn't always do that in according to the time and, and place uh, that we would have. But I think especially now, as we've seen um, uh, ramping up of the attacks upon um, the church, um, we've seen church fires and burnings done by enemies. We've seen acts of des desecration, not only in our country, but especially, like, say, in Canada. Um, we've seen uh, pastors being imprisoned for the sake of uh, their preaching, because of their preaching, especially in Canada, but starting to ha happen here as well, that we need to remember that God will bring vengeance um, upon those who persecute his church, right? And it will happen, maybe not in our lifetime, uh, maybe not for our children, right? But, but it does happen, and that while we pray for God's vengeance, we also need to pray um, that that our enemies uh, be brought to repentance, right, according to God's will, um, and that we pray for we pray for our enemies in the midst of that suffering. So I would say, uh, no, it's not inappropriate for children any more than speaking of the crucifixion, the suffering, and death of Jesus is inappropriate for children. Although that's been argued um, by some to me, not here in this parish, but previously. Um, or any more than the beheading of John the Baptist is inappropriate for us to hear, or the slaying of the mur the murder of uh, of the, uh, all the little boys in Bethlehem, as we heard last Sunday. Um, these are terrible stories, right? Well, they are terrible, but they're real. Um, and then this also, then by extension, I would say, is, is an important thing for us to remember. The things that the Bible tells us about are the kind of things that maybe we do need to prepare children um, um, for their own experience, that they need to know that these sort of things happen in the event that they happen to them, right? And that they recognize um, and and trust that God will bring vengeance upon his enemies. Um, if not now, certainly in the in the final judgment on the last day. Uh, we also need to prepare children for, for the reality of suffering and of 
um, sickness and of disease, of murder, of um, and ultimately of death. And uh, so the same logic that says that we probably shouldn't be reading these sorts of stories to children um, might be, by extension, applied to say, well, we shouldn't bring children to, to funerals and we shouldn't um, bring them to the bedside of at, at the death of people they love because it's going to horrify them and it's going to frighten them. Well, it actually does need to. Um, and that's a reality in this life that needs to be experienced um, so that we prepare us, we're prepared by God's word for our own death, right? To die in faith um, and to have a blessed death. All right. So I would disagree. Um, it is pretty brutal. You know, you got so, we got the, the, the uh, arrow going, piercing through the heart of the king. Um, we have, of course, Jezebel being cast from the window and her blood being spattered everywhere. It's pretty vivid, I suppose, but uh, uh, no worse than these kids experience in video games, I suppose, too. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So uh, Lord be with you all and uh, keep you safe. And may the Lord have uh, mercy on you and take vengeance upon the enemies of Christ and his church. With that, I bid you adieu. Oh, by the way, see you tonight. Divine service, 7 p.m. Baptism of our Lord. See you then.